Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. I'm here today with Jack Hennigan, one of my oldest and dearest friends from the UK. The Brits are here and we are taking over. Uh, hey Jack, how you doing? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. Good, good, good to have you here. We're up at uh, Ferris Mountain Lodge. Just hanging out, drinking coffee, taking in some nature, uh, trying to put the fitness world to rights. Um, Jack, um, let's start by kind of like giving you giving you an intro and a little bit of a, a bio about who you are, where you come from, and kind of what you've built. We'll we'll talk about the journey of you know gymnasium in a second. Uh, Jack has two gyms in the UK now. Uh, yeah, um, work the gymnasium, which has two, and then I own another one, uh, which is out just out of London as well. So okay, I'm cool. Out there. We'll talk about that in a second, but let's let's give a, br- a brief background of how, how we got to this place. Yeah, so I actually came came out of uni and I was traveling um, and I had been training with a friend of mine whilst I was at uni, um, doing just like the usual stuff, uh, a bit of global gym stuff. Um, and then I was away traveling and was still in contact with this friend who then kind of introduced me to some CrossFit stuff. And back in those days, it was just youtube videos that's really what we had access to um and he started sending me a few things whilst i was away but obviously i wasn't really like doing that much stuff came back to london um started doing some of the workouts that he'd sent and i I remember doing like the first few um and they were just horrendous and i I messaged him back and i was like just like i'm not doing this this is just so dumb um (laughs) like it just hurts like all i want to do is just i'm just gonna go do some bench and some curls and like do like 10 minutes on the treadmill at the end and that's like that's me keeping fit uh, but then he sent me like he did, he would then send me one and just say like oh this took me nine minutes or you know just saying and i'd look at it and go i think i could probably go like a, i could probably beat that right and then that's like that's that's kind of it but back in those days i literally had i'd watched probably every kind of crossfit video you could find on youtube this was back in like 2000 and 2009 10 yeah uh, and it was just videos of like spieler uh and maybe like the odd one with like Kalipa and stuff but there right. was honestly like there was so little out there around it yeah. that we were like, like i've watched like everything this is weird um and then decided i didn't have a job or well i was like temping but i didn't have really like an idea of what i was going to do um and i trained a few people so i just thought all right like i'll just i'll explore this path a little bit and see see where it goes um was doing a lot of CrossFit, decided to go and do like my level one, which seems a bit like stupid now if you've never done CrossFit to go and decide to do level one. But like there was so few CrossFit gyms in those days. Like right. the only way you could actually find out what it yeah. was was to just go and do the level one because the nearest gym to me at that time was over an hour's drive away. So I went, did that, and then uh, and then that kind of set me up and I was like, okay, I'm going to try and open a CrossFit gym and stuff back then. What was the what was the first CrossFit gym in the UK? Was it the first? I don't want to offend anyone here, but I think is it CrossFit Thames or something? No, I think it was. Well, Carl Stedman, I think, was the first non uh, US based level one coach, and so it was either one of the CrossFit Manchester ones, oh, or it was one of the 
the London ones. I think it was it was it was one of those two. Were definitely one of the first few. What's that? There's, there's an old London one that was in an arch by the Thames. What was that? That was Thames. So there was, was Thames when we opened like the London one. There was five other ones in London. So there, I think there was Thames, Central London, CrossFit London, um, Bold, CrossFit Bold. Um, oh, yeah, across the bowl and then I think we were next and bold was a few months before us and then and then it was us so yeah it was when we opened in London like we had people from every London affiliate that came to like visit and stuff because it was still yeah it was a small it was, like, community small community yeah. really novel like people coming and stuff what so. was the one what was the crossfit where we I think you were with me we went to do the weightlifting set that was Bethnal Green so that's CrossFit London's original site. Like they've since moved to a new site, but that was their oh, oh, their kind of original one. And that was like the pull up rig was made of scaffolding. <laughs> right. and like you were just like, yeah, this is this is cool. Like this is this the norm and stuff. And if yeah. you did that now, yeah, it's so like it's so funny now because you know a lot of a lot of gyms and a lot of CrossFit gyms are so polished, but. People forget in the early days, people were just making stuff out of what they could because you know you would watch, like you said, you'd watch videos on YouTube. You would uh, you would find whatever you could, and then you would just try and copy it. Yep. Um, Rogue was n- not what it is now back then. In fact, again, faster was bigger than Rogue, like in the early yep. days. That's who we first tried to get okay. equipment yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it really was just like piecing stuff together. Um, but I miss that kind of like it was so, it was so kind of pioneering and so new and so different. And it was it was a lot of it was fucking stupid. Yeah. But it was new, so it didn't matter. And everyone was just experimenting, and it was it was a good time. Um, so you, you, you did your L1 and how long after the L1 did, cause at first it was first called into CrossFit, right? Yeah. So that was, so when I did my level one, one of the instructors on the, uh, like the seminar instructors, uh, I found out that his gym was just over an hour away. So I asked him if I could basically intern at his gym. So I would just mm. go there and just coach. Where was that? For free. It was, it was previously called CrossFit Infinity and it's now Devil's Path. Um, mm. which is a really cool gym now. Uh, owned by Wayne Jarrett and but back then and even then like it was maybe was it like 800 square foot room which was tacked Jesus, onto a, 800 square yeah feet. it was tacked oh onto a school as well so you would oh, come in shit. at night you'd set up the class and then they'd also run BJJ so you'd sometimes you'd finish a class and then you'd have to put all the soft matting down and then it would be a BJJ room and stuff and it just went back and forth. But, you know, I still have really good members and and I was there for a while whilst trying to figure out how to set up, uh, set up a gym. And I was based an hour outside of London, was looking for a site and I just couldn't find a site. So I would keep kind of expanding the like search range, like up and up and up and up. I'd never had like any desire or any plans to be in London and loads of my friends post uni went there, but it was never, never like massively into like the city life or anything. But I just kept going and going and going until eventually I found this site in Clapham. Um, and I'd never even set foot in Clapham the day that I went to see the site. Like I had no idea, you know, where it was or if it was a good site or anything like that. I just saw a warehouse and I was like, sweet. Yeah. That's like, let's go look at that. And went and looked at it and basically got it that day. It was really easy. And how big was the original site? The original one was 1,500 square foot. Um, so it was an old uh, live art studio. So they were used to people with their tops off yeah, already. Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah, like it was a the seamless, same. Yeah, seamless <laughs> transition. Um, so yeah, it was 1,600 square foot. Um, I think it was a while ago, but it was set up on 
like less than twenty thousand pounds to do all of the work, all of the oh, equipment. Wow. Like it was, and it was real spit and sawdust. I actually went to regionals that year. Rogue used to sell off some of their equipment, right. um, and because they'd shipped it in from uh, is it Finland? No, yeah, Finland. I think they're based. They'd shipped it to Bolton, and. I just don't think they wanted to ship it back. So they were just like, you know, you can yeah. take like whatever. Yeah. But it was always, it was pretty cool because all of the equipment that we had in the early days had literally been used by, so Miko was yeah, out that yeah, yeah. And like, His blood was it, still on the box. Yeah, like all of that kind of stuff. And we were like, <laughs> this is actually pretty cool. Like it came straight yeah. from that. Um, and that kit we had for nine years or something in the end. So yeah, we set up that gym and that was, at the time, it would have probably been like the nicest affiliate. Right. Based on the fact that we had maybe matching barbells and showers. Like right, that was like right, the standard. Right. They go in and go like, oh man, you've got like clips and stuff. Like this is, yeah, this is, yeah, this is level. huge. Um, and that was, yeah, that was in 2011. 2011. And that was old school. Like I left, I moved out. I was receiving my parents after uni and I just moved into the gym and I just slept on a rollout mattress on the floor. Yes. Uh, for, I think it was like just under six months. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> and, uh, and then you expanded. So 20, 2011, you opened. Yeah. And then you expanded in the same area, but made it bigger. Yeah. So we expanded probably in 2013. We kind of took on two units next door, not mm. through some walls um, to create a bigger shower area and also just another studio, uh, which actually we just ran then as like one big space because we just wanted right. bigger classes. And for, for like the, the entrepreneurs listening, like... Uh, at what stage did you think it was a good idea to expand? Like, at what n- kind of number of membership were you in? Can you remember? Like, yeah, it was. Of- we had about 110 when we went through to a second studio. So we went from a workout space, which was 1,200 square foot, um, to a workout space, which was about 2,300. So we essentially doubled. Doubled it, yeah. Um, just to like make the class bigger and stuff. But Because you were capped out in the space you were in and you... Yeah, yeah. you are capped out, but... I think a lot of people like owners would look at it and think they were capped out, but you're actually capped out on like two classes and right. it's still actually way more efficient to just make better use of your existing space. Right. At and other times, other classes, yeah, yeah. Versus just making it bigger because all you're doing is you'll, all that will happen is you just fill up those peak classes again and all the other ones are still really quiet. Right. And right. I so yeah. many, I try and say that to loads of owners now that like, they fall into this trap of like, oh, I've just got to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas it's like, no, actually, like you just want to make as much use as possible of the square foot you already have. Yeah. Um, because anything you can do, like just makes the use of that space more efficient. Right. Um, and that's that's so true, especially in like London, LA, New York, anywhere where the square footage is so expensive. It's like you have to maximize the value yeah. of that square square footage as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've been in the game a long time and we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more later, but... You know the real struggle with the the CrossFit style gym was like once you once you get to capacity in the space you're in, how the hell do you make any more money, and how do you end up not just employing yourself uh, and just essentially buying yourself a job because yep. you you're only ever going to get X amount of revenue out of two thousand square out of a two thousand square foot space. Once you get to the point where you don't want to teach every class anymore, you have to take on employees. Then you have you know salaries to pay and wages yep. to pay. It gets very, very difficult to make any kind of money out of a out of a fitness space, um, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this a bit more as we go. But the expansion 
allowed you to get more members? So you went to 110 to... Uh, so we got to about two, 220, 230. Um, and then we were constantly bumping into some capacity issues. Yeah. Um, but again, we didn't really know what we were doing in terms of how to make it as efficient as we can. So right. we just had a membership. Were you, were you just in one class? It was just CrossFit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how many classes a day we doing at that point, do you think? We were three, four, seven. Seven, seven. Monday through Friday and then Saturdays and Sundays. But, yeah. you know, even in those days, Saturdays was your regular kind of very heavily like community-focused day. So it would be a little bit different through Monday to Friday because in London, excuse me, on a, you know, on a weekday, when that class ends, if you're in the morning class, it's just like back in those days, it was finish, shower, coffee, get on the tube. Like it was, you yeah. didn't have time to hang around or anything like that. Whereas on Saturdays, it's a little bit, yeah, everyone's a little bit more, more relaxed. And then on a Sunday, uh, it was just, we just had open gym. People would just pull like squat racks and benches outside, just in the sun, drinking coffee. And yeah. like, those are the type, those are the things you look back on with that kind of like rose tinted spectacles of like, oh, it was so much better in those yeah, days and stuff. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, you're, you know, you're not, I wouldn't have been able to carry on doing that for like 20 years or... Right. Yeah. There's no like it's way... It's unsustainable. Could, yeah, it's unsustainable. It's just, that, it's just that magical time where it's like, it's enough for right now. Yeah. But it's never going to, it's never going to last. Like we talk about this a lot where it's like, especially in CrossFit, it's like people open a CrossFit because they love it and it's their passion and like they love working out and they love being a trainer and they love being a coach. That it's that difficult transition between being a coach and loving training and then being a business owner. Yeah. And realizing that, you know, loving fitness and being a great coach is not enough to run a successful business. Yeah. Um, and that's why so many of these smaller like CrossFit gyms just, just die out. Because yeah. they can't make that transition. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm not I'm not doing anything that I used to enjoy. I'm not even coaching anymore. Uh, I'm just essentially a business owner looking at numbers. Yeah. So it's a difficult transition psychologically for a lot of people to yeah. make. I think it was different for me in the sense that I remember what the guy who got me into CrossFit in the first place, he actually, he opened his affiliate um, a couple of months before me and um, Pete who owned, um, I still owns HG3. And I remember, I can still remember being on the phone to him about a site that I'd found and just talking about like how it was good for the, like the first one and like, then I'd want to try and do a second yeah. one and stuff. And the problem at the time was you couldn't have like two CrossFit affiliates. And I actually emailed. Oh, you weren't allowed to? You weren't allowed. Oh, You're still oh. not allowed. Like I can't be the affiliate owner of two affiliates and stuff. So, I mean, it's it's weird. You just have a coach who you just make the affiliate owner, even though they don't own the right. business. But I then emailed, and this is how small the community was back then. I just emailed Jason Kalipa. Yeah. Because um, I knew he had more than one site. Right. And he just like... Uh, he came straight back to me and was just offering advice and stuff, which you probably now, you're just yeah, never going to yeah, get now from yeah. like those guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had, I knew straight away, even like if you have a very successful affiliate um, or CrossFit gym, then it's still not going to be enough. Like you, you have to figure out something else that you're going to do, whether it's just open more sites or, mm. you know, everyone's always talking about how can you just generate more revenue from, from like your existing and stuff through whatever you're going to do. Like, you know, PT or supplements or yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. But I think broadly, you know, from from memory, you always had a good business brain. It was always it was always a business venture for you and it never was, you know, you were never that don't get this I take this the wrong way, but you were never like a great crossfitter that wanted to go the no, go, no, no. go to the yeah. games and you wanted like 
to dedicate your life to CrossFit. It was like, this is the business and I'm going to run it as a business. Yeah, yeah I, I never came into it from that standpoint, which yeah. a lot of owners did. And I was really lucky the whole time from a very early stage in the business where I had business partners that were like way smarter than me on a business standpoint. Right. Um, and so many affiliate owners or coaches would benefit from that. Like someone that's involved in the business that isn't, doesn't come at it from like a coaching standpoint. Right. Um, right. And that, that was like it's where invaluable. I was really like, yes, yeah. it was invaluable stuff to get from them the whole time. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So this is 20, we're in, we're in 2013. Had you taken on investment at this point or were you like, yeah, so I took on investment to open the first, the like first iteration. And then after I was maybe like three months. So a girl came in on the, the first like open day that we had, she came in, I think with a friend who had done some CrossFit. She came in, did it and was like, this is really cool. She's a physiotherapist and she joined like on day one. Um, she just finished uni and she's like the um, best athlete that I've ever coached. And mm. literally when we were teaching her to do something, we put a barbell in her hand and we were like, oh, we're going to do split jerk. She'd never had a bar in her hand. And 30 minutes later, she was doing a 60 kilo split jerk, which now right. you think like that's nothing. Right. But yeah, but when, if you've never picked up a barbell yeah. before. It's and a also lot. 10 yeah. years ago, if, if a female walked in and could do strict push-ups, you'd be like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, okay. Like, we've got something to work yeah. with. Like, that's how much the industry's changed. And so she came, um, Sarah came in, was a coach for a while, and I had the investor, but was just a completely silent partner. Mm. And in the early days of a gym, like, what you really need is just people, like, in the trenches with you. Right. Like, right. It's right. Such yeah. a hustle. Um, and she ended up buying that investor out. And then it was just, then we'd kind of not taken on any investment at that point. Uh, and it was just the two of us. Right, like building it up from there, um, and that was that was 2013, and that and and into survived as as into for till till 2017. Till 2017. Um, so we actually went uh, 2014, 15. We took on another unit in London, um, which was much smaller to do some PT and oh, out the back, yeah, right. out the yeah, back yeah, where yeah. you've done stuff before, yeah. Um, and then in 2015, we opened a completely new site, um, which was out of London, back in my hometown. So that was like full circle for me. I ended up opening right. an affiliate right where I wanted to open that one. That was in Fulham, right? That was in Farnham. Farnham. Yeah, Farnham. yeah. So, um, five years before. Yeah. And that one was, and still is, if you walk in, you're like, oh, it's a CrossFit gym. Like, this is, mm. you know, this is nice. Um, where you have, it's not just some random secondhand shower cubicles that you have. Like, it's real nice stuff yeah, that you have yeah, in there. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's dated now. It's six years old. But at the time, it was. It was nice. It we was did really our. Nice. Our Jim Jones, what did we do? Was it level one? Level, level one. Two? We actually did it when it wasn't even finished. Wasn't so we finished. had like no flooring. Like we were like yeah. unwrapping barbells and yeah. just getting it all out and stuff. But even then with without a floor and without a lot of stuff working in it, it would have still been classed as like a really nice Yeah, yeah. Nice you had like new bikes and new yeah, rollers exactly. and shit like yeah. that. Um, just to go back just a second. So the original gym's in Clapham. Yep. And I know a lot of people go through this. Your your gym, it's funny, in, in the kind of like... Uh, estate where you are there's there's another there's a reach reach gym from rich Stitch marsh owns yep. that's that's another kind of like um more boot camp style boot camp style fitness gym yep. and there's other gyms as well right that wasn't there a personal training studio yes yeah, so there's actually now so you got you come in you got reach then you would find us and then at the kind of the back of the the estate oh no sorry there's a new ladies only one which is like a gym as well not just pt but ladies only training then 
there is one, two personal training spaces out the back, and then there's our like last unit that's out right. there as well. So of the estate, it's maybe, I would say 60% fitness business. so crazy. And how have you managed to like deal with that? Like, have you managed to deal with that competition over the years? Is it just focusing on like your brand and what you do and not worrying about what, what they do? Or? Yeah, largely we've never done, we've gone through phases where we've done a bit of personal training, but as it is now, we don't do any. Um, so all the PT spaces, like, you know, that doesn't really, that doesn't phase us at yeah. all. Uh, the only gym that was kind of similar in its group fitness offering would have been Reach, but even, you know, what they do was just different, um, right. different to us. Um, and, you know, we've had, I would say probably two or three members that have gone and joined there. That was back in the days where we were pure CrossFit and right. that just isn't for, that isn't for, yeah. for anyone. Um, and, you know, if you have come from Reach, I've joined us who maybe yeah. they wanted to do like more skill-based work or something. Sure. Um, I say it, I say it's like coaches quite often, like our coaches, um, I all, like I really try and hammer home, like there's no benefit to kind of slating another gym. Um, no. To like yeah. one that's local to you. Like right. it, just the, yeah. like there never is, no matter what you like may think of them or what your opinion is of it. Um, because, you know, if someone walks in and I was to badmouth a local gym, it just doesn't put you in like a very good light. So right. you always just focus on your own stuff. The only way to like ensure your success is to make your gym better. It's not to put another gym down. Right. So right, exactly. Um, and because you you're probably a similar price point as well, right? Yeah, pretty much. And like yeah. you don't, you never want to get getting into a price war on that sense. Right. That really doesn't usually help unless you're in yeah. a really good position where you've got good backing and you can kind of ride out that yeah storm. God, do you remember the? Um... What's what was the website where you get like discount classes all the time? Class pass. Oh no, 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 no. Groupon. Groupon. Yeah, oh, that's what some of the CrossFit gyms that like, they were just hammering Groupon. Yeah, and we like never went near it. You, know, I think they they like kind of contacted us and we we spoke to them and the big thing that they would do is you'd have your CrossFit fundamentals course. Right, it's a four week course and you do that and then you can do classes, which would have a value of probably one hundred and fifty pounds or something. And on Groupon, you could just do it for twenty. So, right, right. you know, every month you'd see these gyms and they'd bring like 50 people in on really low value. Right. And then they'd get to the end of that and then you'd go, okay, well, our monthly membership's, you know, 180 pounds. And they'd go, uh, yeah, yeah, no. no I'm on yeah. Group I mean, one, talk so. about devaluing your brand. It's yeah. just like, God. And they were just humble. But yeah, we, we avoided that the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was all, you, you just had to look at it and knew it was doomed to fail. It was, it was a terrible idea. Yeah. But, um, Okay, so we're at 2017, and did Farnham open as into CrossFit Farnham? Yeah, so we had into we actually trained changed to into training at that point oh, to try oh, yeah. and be a little bit independent from the CrossFit brand. We we're still right. affiliated and stuff, but you were uh, offering more than just CrossFit. We at that were offering stage. more than just CrossFit, and if you, yeah. you we never wanted to be if you just took CrossFit away, then kind of what are you left with? So we wanted to be an independent mm. brand. So and CrossFit was just part of what we offered. And that was in 2015, and that was that was probably like the steepest learning curve in the 10 years or 11 years working in the gyms now that I think I've ever had is opening a second one, not realizing because I was in the London one every day. Not to say I was coaching all the classes or anything, but I was just there all the time. I know I just didn't appreciate that if I just stepped away from that completely 
um, that would leave like this vacuum. This hole, yeah. Yeah, from both from a community standpoint, but also from a like a coaching standpoint. Um, right. And there wasn't, I hadn't set it up right, so there wasn't like proper leadership. Right. So like I was basically then, I was just trying to spin two plates at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And neither gym was... Like the, you know, Clapham was doing still okay from a financial standpoint, but the culture was a huge change, and it was really hard to get the fun and one off the ground because we didn't have you weren't established or yeah, yeah. And we didn't have like the systems, and yeah. everyone always talks about systems, but like we just didn't have a culture established and everything there, right? Uh, and that was like a rough eighteen months, yeah, a really really rough eighteen months. And what was the what was the what was the game changer? What was the fix? uh we sold clapham so um that was probably you what you sold clapham yeah we well clapham the we basically divided the into groups so that the farnham gym stayed independent but clapham was sold to an investor uh, um uh, and rebranded to gymnasium right um because we the farnham gym had managed to establish itself um and the Clapham gym was still like kind of doing okay. But we were then in a position where both gyms were the return that we were going to be getting versus like the level of work and stress that they were causing mm, was never really going to be justified. Yeah. The thing that really turned it around in Farnham actually, and I know it's kind of a sent not sensitive, but it's just like a little bit of a taboo subject in like the fitness industry, but we work with gym launch and we went from 140 members to 240 in six months. What is Gym Launch for people that don't know? So back then, their main thing was they do like fitness and weight loss challenge. Um, so you join for six weeks. You you don't you pay like what the six weeks is worth. So it's not massively devalued. And if you achieve your goals, then you get like that investment back. Um, but the way that it works is you can have it back and then you can just leave or you can use it as credit towards future membership. Right. Um, which was always our, like our kind of goal is to try and get people up and training. And, you know, the, the branding and stuff that we used was nothing like our own branding, but we decided like, look, if we're going to do it, just go all in and really, really try it. Yeah. And it, you know, it really, really worked. It massively changed the business and we, we managed to grow the other side of our offering, which was like CrossFit on one side and then Sweat, um, which is on our other side, which is basically high intensity, high intensity, take away the barbells yeah. and stuff. Um, and it like it absolutely exploded when we did that. So that probably like honestly like saved the business because wow. um, it got us up to just a really healthy point where we were like ticking along and we could do things like oh we need to buy kit or. You know, right. we can hire full-time coaches and that kind of stuff. So, But um, Farnham remains separate from Gymnasium. It's two yeah. separate businesses. Yeah. But you you manage both of them? or No. So the Farnham Gym, ma- there's a gym manager in there. There's like a head coach and a, a, like a really good full-time team in there. That, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's their gym. Um, and they kind of run it mostly as I want. And I try and help out where I can just with some advice and stuff but like largely those guys there and kind I'm, of self-sustaining yeah, yeah and i'm lucky as well my parents are still based down there so they help out as well just from like a more of a business standpoint in making sure little things like making sure it's always clean and right just like the the things that yeah. no one really enjoys doing but that you probably everyone benefits from having someone say like you probably need to 
yeah, you know, do this or that. Was it hard to find good coaches in Farnham compared to London? Uh, yeah, so at the start, someone actually moved, two people actually moved from, um, who were like based out in like Bristol, um, so it's like over an hour away, and they moved to the area. Um, and that was, you know, those like Matt and Annetta. Yes. Yeah, so yes. Um, we were lucky. There? No, they, oh. they now have their own affiliate oh, oh. like back over that way. So we were lucky that they like kind of took a chance and did right. that. And like they were really great in helping build a culture and a community at the start. Um, and fortunately for us, unfortunately for them, there was another gym um, quite close that went out of business um, because the investor or the owner was basically really dodgy um, and hadn't paid rent or anything. The landlord just shut the gym down, which right. left coaches and members with a kind of no gym to go to. So we actually then took those coaches oh, on. Great. Uh, we offered the the members were like we let them train for free for a while while they were while they thought they were going to try and reopen. Deciding, yeah. yeah. And then we we managed to keep those coaches, um, and one of those is now the gym manager. So oh. in that sense, like, we really lucked into it. We've got um, then another coach there who came through as a member, and another one who moved from South Africa. I don't know why, but they ended up in like you know Farnham is a small town outside of London right and she's like awesome um if you can ever hire South Africans like definitely hire South Africans they're great right. um <laughs> it's just like great personalities to have in yeah. the gym and so yeah we were really lucky from that standpoint but most of the time it's people that come through as members that you then hire as as coaches yeah which is a longer way to do it but we, we've done that yeah. plenty you know um you know it's for us it's been a uh, a kind of process of like hiring great people and turning them into great coaches as opposed to sometimes hiring coaches that don't quite like suit you yeah and, like you have to change their personality that, which never really works that's always what we say like like i can i can teach someone to be a great coach but you can't teach someone to be a great person yeah, so it's just exactly focus on the personality and the the stuff the rest can come afterwards for sure yeah. so uh so it becomes gymnasium in 2017 yep and then what changes like what changes about into crossfit into gymnasium um one was a huge brand refurb mm. from uh, like a physical standpoint in terms of new kit and um, we refreshed like the whole clapham site um because it was very it's pretty swanky now yeah in the in the in back in the day it was kind of like it's real rough, rough and ragged, yeah. sawdust, but now it's kind of swanky yeah no it's little things like you know we would buy you'd buy some kit from again faster some from whatever, yeah. Wolverson, whatever. Yeah. And then it was just like all of that kit we donated to charity and like youth groups and stuff. And it was just like rogue, everything. Right. Um, rebranded and then rebranding from like a, the actual brand standpoint as to what we were about, um, who we were really aimed at and making it very much focused on community and it being as welcoming as possible versus like that diehard CrossFit, yes. Um, yes. you know, uh, business. And... So at that point, you really just kind of identified your target market and then built the gym around, okay, who are we really trying to appeal to here? Who do we really want to... Yeah, I think it was more like we really identified what we were as a brand versus what the kind of member right. we were looking for. Because I right. think, you know, that's a big part of our brand is that we don't want a specific you know everyone always talks about like oh well what's your avatar and you just go after those people and it's like well no like we want to be able to train someone from when they're five to when they're 80 years old right so we don't have a specific avatar but we need to make our brand 
kind of is welcoming to that range of yeah. people versus yeah. it being what member do you yeah. want and then build your brand around that. Yeah. Um, Did you, uh, so what, one thing that we've always kind of struggled with when someone asks you, what is Pharos or what is gymnasium? What's your answer to that? Like, what is gymnasium? So we always start, it's, like, it's a group training um, community-based gym. So we have, our classes mean that you have everything you would need from a fitness standpoint. Sorry, um, stuck out. <laughs> You would either... She needs to go out. Oh, no. Let her out, Brandon. Let her out. Give her, give her some freedom. There you go. Um, yes, basically, we try and cover you from any fitness-like needs. We have strength classes, group, uh, basically, like fitness classes, which are athletica, and then we have CrossFit, which is for those that are a little bit more competitive or yeah. sport-based. Um, and so we'll cover off everything that you need from that standpoint. Um, but you're not in here training by yourself, and it's always coach-led. Right. I guess yeah it's but hard right it's, it's really hard to hard. define yeah because yeah. people, people people always like like a one sentence answer what is it and it's really hard to, to define it we you can go like oh we're group-based strength and conditioning gym and like to a layman's person on the street they'd be like i'm, okay, no, but what I'm is like it? no wiser than i <laughs> yeah. was before he started yeah. that sentence so, okay. yeah it's i feel like we're going to be refining what we are for the next 10 yeah. years but um so, so gymnasium opens is a big grand opening it's, it's super flash i've been there it's it's super nice and was it did the same members stay or did, was it like no so we didn't i'm sure some members left not necessarily because of the switch but they all stayed and that was probably like the biggest key to the success is we were essentially a brand new gym but we were starting off with this core group of like 160 yeah members that yeah. were like that was all like you're almost your um like culture dish and it's like everything grows from those people um so you have this really good core um that it grew out from um mm. which having opened other gyms like realize how important that is to have a for good sure. like foothold did you um did you have to cl- you had to close the gym for a bit obviously, yeah to- we we closed i mean it was pretty brutal we did it on a i think it started on the friday like we ran you know the last class into class and stuff and then it was like shut down get rid of all of the kit, so we as we donated it to youth groups, yeah. firehouses, and stuff like that. Um, and then the builders came in, and they literally we were going at it like the whole weekend. And, it, and pr- we were still closed on the Monday. On the Monday night at about one in the morning, some members came back because we were then moving all of the new equipment we'd had delivered was in one of our other units. And we're like walking it all down, putting it into the racks and stuff. Um, and I left there. It was like half two in the morning. We've been really lucky because some of the members had come to help us out. And then like 6 a.m. I was just coaching. Oh, Tuesday morning was like the first gymnasium class. Oh, fuck. Okay, here we go. Um, so we actually only, we closed fully for three days and then it took another, oh man, way longer than it should have, like three weeks to do the changing area and all of that. But we operated, but without that being in there. So we just had this huge tarpauling sheet hanging up and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was only a, a three day closure. That's great, dude. Yeah, it was good, but I mean, it was it was rough, brutal. Um, yeah, so that's how you got to get shit done. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And then, so you opened back up with 160 members, you said. Yep. And then, and then we, a- do you know, we really struggled actually, because um, what we did was we'd had this like core 
CrossFit was our like our main thing that we had. Yeah. We had a big open space, which we put a dividing screen in so that we could have two studios run two types of classes at once. So yeah. we then launched like our Athletica program. Yeah. Uh, for that, uh, Big Red, who you've met, he came over from South Africa. That really just took an absolute punt on this Gamble, working yeah. out that it was going to work out and stuff. But he basically built that whole thing by himself. So created a type of training um how he wanted it to run and what it was and stuff but it was a whilst our current members had access to it it was also a separate membership Mm. so when it started there would be two people in a class and it's the type of class where with two people yeah it's 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 hard yeah yeah and what you really need is like 20 25 and i remember some of our existing members were a bit annoyed because what we had essentially done was we'd taken away CrossFit capacity. We'd gone from right. 24 to 12 yeah. and given half the space where it's done. And they'd be coming in like, I can't get into a class and like, this is completely empty. Yeah. And you'd see them like looking in and they'd give you like the eyes and stuff. And then, you know, three, four, five months later, I, I remember like one of our, he's a really like close friend of mine, but Liam, um, he like looked in and he saw there was about like 18, 19 people. And he kind of looked around and looked around and he like looked at me and he just went, yeah i I was finding like yeah you know like it it worked after a while like it kind of got to that point but we still we really struggle to grow and it's constantly just like fine-tuning stuff like everyone always thinks there's a silver bullet to you know if we just do this like oh if our social media is better like it will take off yeah and what it actually is is like there's hundreds of little things and all of them move the needle a tiny amount, right. but you just have to keep going on all of those things until eventually you have that yeah. momentum to yeah. do it. And yeah. then it, it really took off actually when, um, the, I can't remember, I was in LA a few years ago, but I don't know if you were here or if we, oh, you were here, yeah. of course, yeah. yeah. I came training, yeah. For the wedding when you were here yeah, for the wedding? Yeah, for the wedding, yeah, yeah for Alex's wedding. And that was like this just this absolute sweet spot where we'd finally finished fine-tuning a lot of stuff and we came away and every time we'd like travel somewhere we'd fly somewhere you know big red was running the inquiries and we'd message and be like right when we go off this flight like we want another five and you get off the plane and you just see like all these signups coming through oh, and great. it was you know finally just it just hit and then like we were off and we ramped up to 360 members over i think it was like six to eight months or something right um doubled yeah and you know there was maybe a few like big things that we did that made significant change but like honestly it's constantly just trying to like fine tune as many things as possible and i think stuff like um you know recommendation word of mouth people telling other people about it like that's a huge part of it i think almost instagram facebook ads of that kind of stuff Yes, it's an important part of your business, but like if someone likes my post who lives like in two states over, exactly. the fuck, like that's yeah. not going to do, do business. We're not selling a product like that. I mean, yes, yeah. we sell some apparel maybe, but you know, the people that you want to join your gym are going to live like in that radius, like right by you. Yeah. So really that's going to be like, you know, word of mouth or maybe it's foot traffic to some degree um, or local awareness somehow. But this whole thing about like, you have to have a huge following on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, well, that doesn't really help my day-to-day yeah. operations. And you get, like, I'm sure you've had it where you, you would get an influencer who'd be like, oh, is there any chance? Like, you know, I'll, right. I'll post 100%. it. Return. I've got, you know, be like 80,000 followers. And I'd be like, cool. Do they all live within a mile? Because yeah. that's, what like, is that gonna do that's like where all our members come from. Right. So this doesn't help us at all. No. Um, 
yeah so yeah social media is good but it doesn't it's great if you use it more as much as anything for like internal so to Communicate, showcase like your showcase, members and yeah, stuff versus yeah. like this but if more. if you, i mean the way the way the way i think it works really well so like i said if, if you are selling a product that people are willing to like click and buy it's it's great but if it's like like we're saying like if you have a gym a physical location that requires participation in that location unless they're in that five mile radius maybe even less than that it's not yeah do anything for you um so sometimes uh we've had we've done a couple of like sponsored posts and that kind of stuff and it's raised awareness in the area people it always blows my mind that because we're twenty two thousand square feet if people are in Echo Park, they don't know that we're there. I'm like, how can you not know we're we're here? Yeah. But you know, it, it, you you forget that a lot of people don't go down the road that we're on. It can be kind of hidden, um, and if you don't walk down specific streets, then you're not going to see it. Um, so a lot of people just, you know, as big as you are, they don't know yeah. you, you exist. So that's something we've had to try and. Yeah, we. I mean, combat. we get people walk past that, come in. And they're like, oh, I've lived in Clapham for 10 years. Yeah, I have no idea you're here. Uh-huh. And they live like 200 meters away. Yeah. What? Yeah. And I'm so I'm probably like, man, we've done a, like a really bad job. But I also know. people it's, are just so like in their zone. They just, they've just they got their, unless they kind of deviate from their, very, and most of the time it's like, oh, but now I have a friend that comes here and right. that's they've then told them about it and then it goes off like that. But so. it's, if you're in a small town and there's like one or two gyms in the area, people are going to know about you. If you're in LA and there's a thousand gyms, a thousand restaurants, a thousand cafes, there's everything all the yeah. time. It's easy to get lost in the, you know, yep. lost in the blur of everything. Um, so we're we're at uh, we're in a gymnasium. We've opened. We're at 360 members. At what point did you then decide to open another facility in Wandsworth? Right, in Wandsworth. Yeah, well, we from day one we this was never a it was never a one gym it was gym. never a one gym yeah. when gymnasium was kind of born um you you approached it like this is a brand this is a product yeah we're gonna open 10 gyms yeah the first one was almost you have proof of concept at a quite a raw level because it was still ultimately born out of another gym um but we had like okay we know the athletica this is good and we had our stronger program which is like kind of built off your build program that yeah. we've seen and from day one, we were like, right, let's start looking. And commercial property, dealing with it in London is brutal. Like, I don't know to the extent of what it's like in LA and stuff, but yeah, it's, brutal. it's commercial agents, terrible, landlords, yeah. terrible, councils, terrible. Like, yeah. it's just... They like, make it so hard. Oh, so hard. And um, so we, we were looking and we actually looked at the Wandsworth site in... I mean, the last few years is all I've like completely lost track because of everything. But I think it was twenty last year's twenty twenty one. So I think we looked at it at the start of end of twenty nineteen, start twenty twenty, and we actually looked at one just around the corner. That was that kind of got accepted. Um, we were moving along, going into the Christmas break, and they were like, "Okay, when we reconvene for our board meeting, this is the the landlords, you know, right?" Group. And came came after Christmas, and then we get a message. Uh, the existing tenants have decided to try and restart was the third time that they had oh. kind of shut and rebranded this restaurant or whatever. And we were like, this seems like a smart decision, but okay. And then they offered us this other one. Um, and then that took another, I think, full year of red tape. And this paperwork. is in the pandemic by this point, this right? Is pre, this is coming pre-pandemic. So the first proper site meeting we had there with 
all of the contractors, electricians, architects and everything was, uh, it was like the first week of March, 2020. So that's that the year, that's the year the pandemic started, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And it was like one of those things where I'll never forget where I was. And we stood chatting around. There's like eight COVID cases. We're like, oh, this is like not a big deal. I don't understand right. like why we're all doing it. Uh, why there's like such a big thing. And we're planning on when we're going to start the build work, when we're going to do like all of this. And we hadn't quite like locked in to sign and like take on the lease. Yeah. And then like two weeks later, everything got shut down. Everything stopped. So no construction. Um, nothing. So we obviously, we didn't do anything there until the, um, it was like the September that year. Um, but you weren't paying rent or anything. We weren't paying rent. I mean, it was just, and that's a lot of businesses, you know, they took a massive hit as did we, but that was one of the few things where we were lucky in the pandemic is just like, we just hadn't quite signed. And yeah, and it was, we actually hadn't signed because we didn't have a power supply. Like it was something really right. kind of arbitrary. We were really pushing, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't sign it without power because we couldn't start work and therefore right, right, we'd be right, paying rent right. without being able to do anything. Yeah. So it was just pure luck that pure luck. again, yeah. red tape like had slowed it down, but then it slowed it down to the point where we were like, okay, like we're actually just going to hold off until yeah. whatever it was. It was encouraging for me to see from an industry standpoint, like you grow during the pandemic, uh, 98 uh, in Australia grew yep. during the pandemic. And it was kind of like, it's, it was good to see like entre- entrepreneurial spirit like that because it would it was, it would have been easy for a lot of us just to be like, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm yep. done. So many um, gyms like, shut down. So many gyms like... shut down. But it was, yeah, it was, you know, I was looking at looking around at other gyms and I saw you growing, I saw them growing and we were growing. It's like, okay, it's good to see that kind of yep. spirit globally. Um so uh, you eventually open what when 2021? Uh, yes, yeah, so we so we actually finished the gym uh, January 2021, um, but then we were in lockdown, so yeah. we couldn't actually open until April the 12th. Wow! Um, so we were, you know, we're doing our best. You're trying to sign right pre-sign pre-sale. and all of that sort of stuff, yeah. but pre-sale normally is pretty good. But you're trying to pre-sale people, like at least for us, where they they had no idea like were they going to be working from home. Were they not? How long is the pandemic going to go on for? Yeah, like, like well, no one knew. And everyone's like, you know, if the gym closes again, what will you do? And we offered, right. we froze everyone's, we froze memberships for those who wanted to freeze and they could come back on like their old rates and stuff. So we tried to be as like understanding as possible. We were also really lucky in that a lot of our members carried on paying a membership, right? Um, which I think was a real testament to CrossFit gyms over yeah. Community. Yeah. Globo gyms in that you know, yeah. if you were at, I don't know what. Yeah, if you're like, at like Equinox, I guess you, yeah. you could use here. They were just like, I'm not like no, like I'm yeah, not paying exactly. 250 dollars yeah. a month to support you during this. Like no. Whereas the smaller CrossFit gyms, they just you know they kept paying, and that's yeah. like a real testament to why like why those gyms are different. Yeah, and stuff than, that than community else, spirit yeah. really really makes a difference. Yeah. But yeah, so then we opened April the 12th uh, last year, so we just had our one year anniversary at the new site. Congrats, thank you. And um, and then it was just six all the way through to the end of last year where we were just trying to figure stuff out like trying to solve problems and we didn't know what the problems were like you don't know whether it's the pandemic and that's why things are slow or like is what we're doing and what we're offering not really what what people are looking for because all we had to go on was like well in in Clapham before the pandemic we we got to just over 400 members and it was 
like ludicrously busy um and we had all these like crazy memberships like oh you can't train on a regular one but if you're willing to train at 8 p.m monday to thursday and four o'clock on a sunday then you right. can have like this one and it is like way right. cheap because we were just wow. like basically said like filling a gym is basically like you have a huge jar and the first bit is like you're just filling it with like rocks and stuff and that's all your big like memberships and stuff and then but then you're left with like all these gaps and then it's yeah. like little grains of sand that you're sure. trying to pour in afterwards. Like, okay, well, how can we get people to About do it? About 400 stuff? members for a gym that's only how many square feet are you? Uh, workout space. Oh, man, Alex, all shout. I forget this wrong. I think it's 2,900. That's huge. Dude. Yeah. 400 members for 2,900 square feet. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, not everyone would like it, but it comes down to that thing like you've got, you're paying like, you've got fixed costs, which is rent and like staff costs. And so you have to like wage everything against that and try and make that as like efficient as possible because those things are like fixed. So once you're paying coaches and once you're, you know, paying rent, everything that's relatively fixed, you just have to get as much, generate as much revenue like against that as possible. Because once you get past a certain point as a business, then it's, it's profit. Right. Um, And if you go, well, let's make a bigger space and it's like, okay, well, you've moved that needle now because now there's more rent. So now you actually have to get more members. Um, And there's like, there's definitely a a tipping point of where it's not as economical to just keep going bigger and bigger. There definitely is like, if you have a 500 square foot gym, probably you're going to go like, well, everything stays the same because I need one coach to run this. But if we had 2,000 square foot, I'd still only need one coach. Right, right, right. But then there's like a tipping point where it's like, well, now you need two coaches. So you've doubled that. You know, and that's definitely one of the, one of the things we've had at Faros is, you know, we have so many rooms. uh, We have so many coaches that work at the same time. We have a big front desk staff. um, We have a big cleaning staff. You know, our wage bills, ludicrous. Like it's, it's, and, and, you know, you have workers comp and stuff in America. So everything gets really, really, really expensive. It's yeah. a really tough act to juggle. Like, what's it worth? Like, what, what, what is this room worth? Like, even if you have, you know, a hundred people in it, does it pay for itself? Yeah, that's the question you have to ask yourself because it seems like bigger is always better, and the more classes you have, the better it is. The, the more room, you, but that all has a cost, and it's yeah. really hard to make enough money to justify that cost. And yeah. people, some, so sometimes people will come into Faros and they'll see like. You know all the people in there, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, this is you! You guys are killing it." It's like, mm, well, actually, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because instead of the cost, it's like it's really, really yeah, hard. That's to what I when you know I was in there the other day and I, I trained in the base gym for the first time. I was like, oh, "Man, it's so cool in here!" And uh, Charlie, like my girlfriend, was in the the build class with Shep, and that was really good. And then we were sat front in the members area afterwards. And like, all I could think was I was just looking around at the amount of coaches. I was like, I could feel like how stressed I was. And yeah. I was like, man, I don't know how he's doing this. Like, yeah. this, is, this is so stressful. It is stressful. It is stressful. It, you know, we, we, we found a way to make it work, but it does take, it takes so much juggling and so much thought uh, and so much of being careful. Like, it's very easy to like put on another class or hire another coach or do this or do that, but it, it can it can bury you if you if you're not really really careful. Yeah. And I think a lot of gym owners they really don't like. Do you have a phrase like it doesn't wash its face? Do you have that phrase here? No. Basically, like it's not paying for itself or it's not it's not covering like its needs. Right. Stuff. I think a lot of gym owners they like they run like their gym. I like classes like a Christmas tree, and they're just constantly just hanging like more and more baubles on it. 
but the tree itself is not that stable and it's like at some point right. this is going to look gonna, terrible and it's going to fall over yeah. and i just keep adding more stuff and i'm like loads of the stuff you're doing like it just doesn't wash its it just doesn't wash its face like right. take a step back and right. just like actually think yeah. about it from that standpoint yeah we actually had um we actually had a, a case kind of pre-pandemic where it, I don't even know how we did it now, but at one point there was like three classes going on at the same time in that in that build, in the main studio in the yeah. main studio, and um, you know, but that means you're paying three coaches to coach three different classes, uh, and of the people are divided between those classes. So economically, although there's more people in the room, it might seem like oh you're making more money, but you're not because yeah. you're paying for three different coaches to be there. So yeah, it's exactly. Like, you know, when we reopen, it's like, okay, we need to really think about like this. What, what is, what makes sense? What's worth it? What's not worth it? Um, you can't have, you can't have classes anymore that have like five people in there. Like they yeah. have to be classes that have 10 plus people. Otherwise it just doesn't make financial yeah. sense. Um, which, you know, can be disappointing for some members. Like, oh, but I love that class. Like, I know you did. We did too, but there were like five, yeah. five people in there. Like, it doesn't make any sense financially. And even if so, those members say that they'll leave, you quite often you could still financially be like better off right. by not paying the yeah. coach and stuff for that and losing a few members. Yeah, and being able to put like your resources yeah. elsewhere. It's hard because it's that juggle of like what you really want to do from like a fitness standpoint versus what you really want to do as a business standpoint. Yeah, because there's so many things I would like to do from a fitness standpoint but it just doesn't make any financial sense. Yeah. And especially also when you're trying to, you know, I'm a, I'm a fucking people pleaser. That's what I am. Yeah. And I'm always trying to please people. I don't want to disappoint people. So you end up doing these things like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And then it's like, oh fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. So it's a really difficult, like, you know, balance. And you, because you have. guys have like 600 plus members. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's like crazy to comprehend from a, when you have that, like the people pleasing standpoint is, Loads of members, they're very understanding of that this is a business that needs to work. But some, if they don't quite have that mindset, what they're looking for is like, well, this would be best for me. Right. And so it's like, well, if we did that for you, there's still 600 and something other members that... Yeah. So if if all of them turn around and said, this would be like, I like, I want classes at this time, I'd like to pay this much and, you know, whatever other things that they have. And you you can't just do that for 600 people. Like you kind of do what you can, but like you stay like your own course and then you, people have yeah, to- Yeah, you, you end up in the in the mentality of what is the best for most people. Yep. And that's the decisions you have to make. And kind of the hardest thing for us was, you know, when we were like a 300 member gym and a lot of people joined because of us and everyone knew us and it was like a bunch of friends and a bunch of friends of friends and so forth. Yeah. It was really kind of easy to, to, to negotiate. Like what's the gym's feeling on this? What do most people want? Um, and we could just speak to everybody and it was like a very easy, you know, space to navigate. Yep. You know, as soon as you get into that 500, 600 member mark, you have so many different, mem- uh, so many different personalities, so many different wants, so many different needs, uh, so many different suggestions and so many more coaching staff who will have their ideas. Yep. Um, you know, it becomes a completely different animal. Um, and we have like, for me and Emily now, most of our time or a lot of our time is spent in meetings, like meeting with different departments different yeah. people because it's like we need to communicate with everybody well the issue we've had over the years if people said well we didn't feel we were communicated with so it's like okay That's our, our main thing has too. to be about communication how do we communicate successfully with these people these people these people so that everyone feels included everyone feels that they have a voice uh, we're making the best decisions that are the best for everybody and it all runs with this cohesion that can easily fall apart if you don't kind of like take the reins i mean yeah. 
I, I kind of like said it every all the time, please stop putting me in so many damn meetings. <laughs> I look at my schedule for the day, it's like meeting after meeting after meeting. But it's she's right. I mean, it, they have to happen. Yeah. Otherwise, the place just cannot run successfully. But it, again, it's it's a it's a hard lesson to learn, and just part of growing as a as a gym owner. Yeah. Um. You you will have to kind of walk away from the like the day to day interactions, which I hate because that's my what my my real love is. I like I love interacting with people. I love being like on the floor, meeting people, like chatting, yeah. shooting shit. Um. And I try and still do that as much as I possibly can, but then realizing that for the business to run successfully and cohesively, then I can't afford to do that too much because there yep. just isn't the time for it. I think it's really important from like gym owners, from membership standpoint as well, to remember, you know, it's very easy for us to look back on when we had, you know, when I had 120 members and I was living in the gym and it was actually relatively like stress-free. Right. And we look back on that time you kind of threw like roast into spectacles and members do as well, like back to what it was then. But, and quite often, and I've seen gym owners have tried to go back to that. They're just like, I'm going to make it smaller. I'm going to set up my own. I'm going to do like, go back to what it was. And let's not forget, like when we were there, what we wanted is like what we have now. Like we wanted right. more members, bigger yeah. space, multiple sites, mm-hmm. more coaches. Like we wanted the problems that we have now. And now we have to deal with them because you go back you just end up in the same cycle yeah because like, then yeah. you're like well i remember now why i didn't want this small space and i wanted all of these other things and it's like right. these are the problems that come with it so now you have to yeah like, deal with them and also them. like you're a different time in your life like maybe you're, you're in your 20s you're yeah. in a gym you can coach for the classes you don't care yeah by the time you have a family and you have kids and all that kind of stuff and you you have more responsibilities like you, you can't go back to that yeah you can exactly. never go back to that yeah yeah and the members are the same like we offer them a lot more now than we did back then so it's like okay, you want to go back to that, then we lose, we lose a lot of the stuff that we get now because we're a bigger site. So do you yeah. want, do you want less? Or do, do you want, want less? Yeah. Like it's not, you can't have all the great stuff that we have now, but Better all just the be benefits of and... 120 members. Right. Like, right. Because that would just crumble like instantly. So, and yeah. then they're like, yeah. oh, and it's hard yeah. when you hear those comments like, Oh yeah, it's not the same as it used to be when it was like you were in class and it was, I knew everybody. It's like, I know dude, I, I get it. Yeah. But it can't survive like that. Yeah. It just can't. Um, so both your sites are basically the same size or similar in size. Um, wise, yeah, right? the Wanted size is a little bit bigger, but it's actually laid out in some ways less efficiently. So it's over three floors, whereas right. like the Clapham site is largely over one main floor. And how far is how far off is Wandsworth from Clapham now in terms of size membership? Um, they are. Last time I checked, I think it was two like two eighty nine in one and three. 10 in Clapham. Oh, that's great. So it's that's close, yeah. Off. That's good. Um, Clapham dropped, because it had so many more members, it dropped way loads during the pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't, like, as you like you would know, and I'm sure there's areas that are in LA the same, but Clapham's very transient. Yes, so, yes. And there was a lot of people that are quite young, first few years out of uni, yeah. um, and a lot of like people that are kind of my age that are having families. So during the pandemics, they either just move back home to like live with their parents to mm. get out of London or people with families were like, do you know what? This is the, this is the time that we're going to take now to just move out and we yeah. have the bigger house and all of that. So it really like dropped. It, so for people that don't know that listening, like Clapham is one of those places you move to right out of uni. Yeah. It's, it's the place you go to. It's like you're in your early twenties. It's like fun. There's tons of bars. Yeah. You can go and get fucked up. You can like eat a ton of good food yeah. uh, and there's clubs and the whole thing. There's Clapham Common, yeah. super fun. 
Um, but yeah, I guess once you get into your like maybe 30s and 40s, you have a family, you tend to move out. Yeah. Do you have a different demographic between Wandsworth and Clapham? Would yeah. You say it's slightly older in Wandsworth? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's more of a... People do settle a little bit more around Wandsworth. That's what yeah. it feels because the surrounding places. I mean, like the guys that listen to this are from LA and stuff. I mean, nothing but like Putney, Earlsfield and those kind of places are... The kind of place where you go because it's still easy to commute, but you get better schools, bigger schools, house, bigger or houses, like all yeah. of that kind of stuff. So that's definitely one. And but then it's even little things like Clapham. You know, the evening Athletica is really busy. The evening Athletica in Wandsworth is dead. So you oh, think like as you go to a second site, you just like well, we'll have all of these learnings, and so we won't make any of those mistakes and we're kind of like, you're just trying to repeat it. That's all you're trying to do is like right. refine, repeat, refine. So it becomes a scalable thing. And now we're like, well, these evening classes are dead. Those were really busy. These people want to train at like 5am. These people want to train like at six. So right. yeah, you think you're just going to be able to repeat it, but you're constantly you just like, Oh, new, new problems. To yeah, stuff. But, exactly. But definitely. it is, yeah, it's definitely catching. Um, it's in a way, way more competitive area. In Wandsworth? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, really? It I think there's four CrossFit gyms um, in the area um, that are like pure CrossFit. But then mm. we've got F45, Orange Theory um, as the kind of boot camp ones, plus Pure Gym and the gym like which is like the kind of do you guys have key card 24 yeah, like hour budget ones like, whatever you yeah. guys would have here so we have those so what we get a lot more of now is someone will come and do a trial with us on a monday and it's like oh well i'm going to try here on tuesday and, right. here on and here on saturday and then and then i'll let you know most of the time they do they do end up joining um because actually from like a price standpoint we're very competitive and also from a uh, there's more on offer yeah we have more on offer so yeah. if you're comparing us and a crossfit gym that are charging the same it's like okay well you can do crossfit uh you can do stronger you can do athletica we've got like motion which is like mobility strength yeah. work and we have all of these things run club like yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. we're like that one-stop shop so that's yeah. kind of one of the reasons they end up coming back but that's something we never dealt with in clapham because you, you come and trial in clapham and you're basically like well you have literally no other option if you want to put a barbell in your hands it's us and that's it right um so completely different problem that we're now having to deal with as well yeah what have you noticed between like price points in america versus pr price points in the uk is it similar or what is well, the average crossfit the average charge? one in london so for go for like the top one basically it's always the easiest we see ones that are about 250 um for the pounds, ones dollars, pounds yeah. sorry yeah so uh that's well, like 300 300 yeah. yeah there's some that are more central that are a bit more expensive but kind of if you're not right in the middle of the like the business district um tops can be about 250 you know we're around that like 205 right you guys are 250 right yeah i mean you guys in london would be like 300 pounds easy 300 350 right. pounds so and the same for amp um i think like they're actually compared to london when the when you guys were saying what your membership price was i was like oh this is this is actually way less than i thought right um because all i can do is compare a lot of other things like if we you know we went out for brunch here the other day and it was 
more than it would have been in London mm. um, and buy drinks and like it's more and like loads of the other comparable things are way more but then the gyms itself I think are less yeah um, yeah yeah it's funny because uh, Faros is rel- people think it's expensive but it's really not like for, for what you get um, if you compare it to uh, CrossFit gyms or boutique gyms or like Barry's Bootcamp or you know any of these gyms that are just offering like either a small product or a single product um, or like a monocrop agriculture type product. <laughs> like that reference, man. <laughs> what is um, a monocrop agriculture? <laughs> it's like you just have the same product that you produce over and over and okay. over year round. Okay. And it's bad for the soil. Yeah. Um, it's a deep, <laughs> deep reference for people. Um, you know, th- th- their price point is basically the same as, same as ours. So when people say we're expensive, it's like we're incredibly good value for what you get for your money because yep. you have access to all these classes, all this open gym. You know, that open gym has a ton of equipment in there that cost me a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's awesome and I love it. Um, so I'm going to do it. But um, yeah, I, 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 gen- I genuinely believe people get, you know, good value for money at the club. And, you know, you can say, but I can go to Equinox uh, and I can get a swimming pool. And it's like, well, yeah, you can go to Equinox and you'll pay the same price. But get back to me in six months where you get zero results. Yeah. Because... Most people that go to just gym spaces like that just wander around and do very little. Like some people are great and they will get results because they're just naturally hardworking people. But for most people that aren't getting coached, they're not going to any coach classes, they're not getting any kind of like training help. Um, they'll pay that money and, and get zero results. So yeah. it's it's about value and it's about investing in. It's, it's cliche, but it's about investing in yourself. Like. What do you really want to get out of the return for your money? Yeah. Do you just want to go in and have a nice shower with some nice product? Or are you going to the gym to truly get results and truly change and truly get stronger and truly get healthier? Because if you are, this is the right place yeah. for you. Um, and I feel that way about us. And I feel that way about uh, AMP. Uh, our friends, Alex and Anna, are over there. I think they're doing a great job. And again, they did so good during the pandemic. And the advantage we had over here, of course, is we could go train outside. outside. Yeah. You guys, you guys could. <laughs> yeah, in the first, so brutal. the first lockdown, when we could train outside, we were really lucky. We had a break of weather, which was just like glorious sun the whole time. So we were yeah. out on the common. And no, it was so good to the point where my members were like, can we keep this going even when the gym right. opens? Because it was, it was awesome. And like even to coach, like... Just being at standing outside for four hours in the sun versus yeah. like being inside in the studio and stuff, it was really really good. And then we had another lockdown um, the following year, and we went to run that uh, the outdoor classes again when we could open, and it was freezing cold. Like I remember coming in, and one of the coaches, Sam, like her hands are literally just blue. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this is not as much fun. And all I could see was like you guys, you had the car park and amp, and I was like, man, this sucks. Yeah, it was. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was such hard work for us, like taking all the equipment out, bringing all the equipment in. We had two different car parks. It was a ton of work, but you know, we're in LA. the The weather was kind. The weather was good. Um, we had all kinds of issues to deal with, but you know, compared to what you guys had in the UK, it was you know, it was a thousand times better. Um, let's talk about the future. What what's what's next for for gymnasium? Um, so for gymnasium, we are still looking to open more sites. Um, got a couple that are in the pipeline in the sense that we've looked at them, but it just takes a lot to kind of move them yeah. through stage and stage. Um, and are, are you are you at the your mental um, kind of approach to this? Do you wait for a gym to be like financially stable before you move into the next one? Or are you just like, fuck that, I'm just going to fucking grow? Yeah, so we're like pushing to grow as right. quick as possible, mainly because it takes so long that if we wait until one is 
stable to start looking for another one, the process is just going to be way too slow. Um, yeah. So we have to start, even though Wandsworth needs, you know, a lot more on Clapham still, that needs, it needs more members and, you know, still things to try and make it better for members, um, which is as much of a focus as just adding more members. Um, if we wait until they're both up and running fully where we want them to be, it takes probably like it's averaging 18 months to two years from the day we right. see a site online to actually, uh, to actually like right. opening. So you just have to like, it's like that kind of leap of faith is, you know, we have some of us, Alex working on looking at new sites, trying to get them up and running. And then others like myself, Tim, the gym lead, Sam, they're um focusing on like the gyms like as they kind of go and then just like with the support of the investor just trying to push it forward as kind of fast as possible but we're trying to focus more on london at the moment um ideally close to the existing ones because it's just yeah you get to hop members across yeah. which is really important because you yeah. then have a starting pot of culture right. and coaches as well um but anywhere in london now because it's so hard to find sites we're also becoming a little bit more loose with our geography as well at this point mm. we're just like just Same. just give us like any site is it, are you always looking for that kind of three thousand square foot kind of size yeah, that's your kind of model yeah three yeah. to four um we will look at ones that are slightly bigger if the rent is probably you know is slightly better but um it's very much like we kind of have the model that we want and we if we saw a ten thousand square foot space we're just you end up with a load of problems that we haven't yet had to deal with. Yeah. And every time when you we, get that, call me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to like, every site we do, we're trying to reduce the potential list of new problems that we come across yeah. until it's just like we open and you're like, you, you're kind of good to go on. on yeah. Everything. I think that's kind of similar to 98. I think they're around the same yeah. kind of size, right? Are yeah. They around 3, square feet? I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, I've only ever spoken to Chris like via Instagram. Um, and even that, I think I was just recommending someone to go there trying to yeah. get some details. Um, but I recommended uh, some of our members from Clapham actually who moved to Australia. They were training in CrossFit gym, but they were very much like, oh, it wasn't the same as when we yeah, were there. Yeah, and yeah. I kept saying to them, I was like, just go to this gym. Like, I'm sure this is what you're looking for. And eventually like they went, but they'd already been there for a few years. And then I got a message from Ash like afterwards just being like, oh, we should have come here years ago. Like, yeah. So 98, definitely doing something really good out yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love what they're doing. Yeah, I think, I think Chris is great. Well. I think Chris is a great, um, I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great, he's obviously he's a great athlete. Um, he's got a, he's got a good brain uh, and he's managed to, he's managed to really hold on to what the brand is. Yeah. You know, um, and grow it in a, in a, in a respectful and, 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 um, economically savvy way but also like you know they've never lost what makes 98 98 yeah and i think that's a really hard thing to do is yeah because i think they have three sites now I yeah i know that i mean it's so weird that i seem to i follow them so much having like never been there or met Chris, right. but like yeah. i just really like what they do so yeah. i know they've got brisbane sydney melbourne uh and i think perth so i think it might be up to like four but mm. and what's weird as well like you know australia had brutal, brutal. lockdowns and stuff and yeah. they just like yeah. you just like put his foot down and just kept plowing through. And I think that's almost why I've ended up following it more. Just being like, man, this guy has hustled, hustled to get like all yeah. of this across. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like he has two kids now, so he has a family. And I think he moved kind of out a little bit. So I know he's commuting a lot. So yeah, uh, props to 98, props to Chris yeah. Feather. They're, they're doing, doing a great job. It's super impressive. Um, I, I want to go over there at some point and, and check it mm -hmm. out. But um, I, I did go to the one in Sydney years ago. Um, 
super nice. Uh, but that was before like they'd started this kind of like new growth kind of process. Yeah. I think Russell Scro- Ru- Russell Crowe was still involved at that point. Yeah. But um, and also yeah. like I could be wrong, but I think like one of the like Sam Burgess was training there, like the rugby player. Yeah. I think as well. So there was he had like obviously because Chris was in the uh, professional rugby player, so yeah. I guess he has yeah, that yeah. Like, connection and stuff. Exactly. But. Yeah. Big rugby league kind of yeah. like, uh, connections. Yeah. Sure. Um. So. How many gyms would you want ultimately, do you think? Is it like an endless number or? Yeah, it's like, you know, if you ask, I mean, from day one, if you asked our investor, it'd be like over 100. It was. Oh, really? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to yeah. just grow. Like it's it's infinite. Uh, it comes from a, a big part of it is uh, our investor who we're like really fortunate to have also came from a standpoint where he really disliked the fitness industry right. as to where it was. So he wanted yeah. to like disrupt that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just like we'll keep going for as long as we can really um but who knows like where it'll be the industry as a whole like in 10 years if you look back to where it was 10 years ago like when we were first getting into it and where it is now and where it'll be in like 10 years from now it's so many new problems that we're going to have to face and like figure out so yeah yeah i agree i mean that was my next question to you what 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 do you think the fitness industry looks like moving forward um i think there's like two big things that I start to see a lot more of now. Um, one is a lot more stuff about the old school bodybuilding style stuff that's starting to like eke its way back in. Yeah. But it's like the hybrid version of it. So people are now still, they appreciate their like functional compound work and like they're doing free weights, like squats and deadlifts yeah. and stuff. But they're the things that, you know, leg press machines and all of these other resistance things are starting to like kind of creep back into people's training as a yeah. as a less kind of like hybrid version of training um because you know even my standpoint like that's why i was in the base gym the other day where i was yeah. trying to hit like every toy possible like yeah, yeah, yeah i haven't used this for 10 years this is amazing <laughs> um but people are now like much smarter about their training on the whole i think and yeah. so they know how to use those in a better way than it sure. than like 10 years yeah. ago where like leg day was just doing like knee extension machine and stuff right. um so i think that's there'll be a, a shift back in and the fitness industry constantly goes like around in circles and yeah. things come back in and they drift out again um and i think the other big thing from a from a pt standpoint which we don't because we don't do any personal training but one thing that I think is a huge change in the PT industry now is the level of knowledge that PTs have to have versus 10 years ago is right. you know, tenfold. So right. we would get people that come up to, even because they come up to me now, mainly because like I'm a cripple. So I've had to deal with loads of injuries and stuff yeah. over time. And they'll say, oh, I, I like tweaked my hip doing like this and this and this, like what kind of stuff should I do? And five years ago, a coach would, what you would, you'd come up with an exercise that basically tweaked like out the pain, but maybe didn't have that much relevance to the exercise they were going to do. So it's like, oh, it's right. squats, that hurts your hips. You're going to do shoulder press. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. like you're giving them an alternative, but, but you're not fixing the problem. You're not really yeah. like giving them the same stimulus. Whereas yeah. now like the PTs, they're coming to us almost under the same expectation as they would to a physio. Like yes. I have pain yeah solve this pain don't just like work around it but like what can i do um and so if you're a pt coming into the industry now and you're coming off the back of 
whatever you guys have is like your fitness qualification like that's like here and there's already pts that are operating at such a high level that's why i say to people like if you're coming into this industry now you have to appreciate the level of coaches that are out there from a personal training standpoint are way beyond like your qualification right um and then even if it's you know people that want to do like hypertrophy work like the knowledge like guys like you know the programming that someone would get from you versus someone that's coming out of uh, like a you know PT qualification yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's, it's so thing. much further along yeah. than it was years ago yeah. and that's like the level at which so that's going to be like a big shift i think like PTs are in my opinion now becoming almost like one of the first lines of defense in like health and wellness yes. versus before it would be like i've got this pain in my knee i'm going to go to a doctor and now it's like go, yeah, yeah i've got this pain in my knee i wonder what like my coach right advice is going to be for sure so it's like, for sure i mean i'm going to get that a ton actually um i think you're right i i think you know one of the reasons why you know we've been successful as a club is because of the multiplicity because of the hybrid nature of it um i think you do need to offer a lot more than just uh, one product the problem that i see is that realty is getting so expensive. I don't know. I don't know if you can open or I don't know where you can open another Varos anymore. Yeah. Like it's just so expensive to, to, to do it. Um, I mean, we, we were lucky we got in at a time when it wasn't too bad and we got a good deal and all, so forth. But to open a gym like ours in a major city, I mean, you know, if you were to open a gym like ours, 22,000 square feet in London. Oh, can you imagine yeah. the the the, the rent no cost? Yeah, there's just no way you could do it. And it's coming off like the gyms that are doing it now, are like the existing Globo gyms yeah. that have something and they have huge investment, right? And so you're, you, then then it's a billion dollar corporation that opens that gym, and then it's a different thing because yeah. it no longer is it a mom and pop family owned gym like ours. It's a corporate owned billionaires club where, like Equinox, are essentially a realty company. Yeah, uh, they just buy property and then put, put like lease the gym to themselves, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's my concern. It's like, I know from what people really want and need is like a Pharos type situation, but my worry is realty is getting so expensive. I wonder if it can be sustained. Yeah. Cause <laughs> so that's the, the, the real challenge is to find property that can work and it might not be in the city. You might have to drive out a little way to get to it because I don't think it's going to be affordable in cities to open gyms like Ferris Athletic Club. Yeah, I guess like our hope, our hope is harsh because it's going to affect businesses, but it's like, will there be more retail spaces or like office spaces that, because like now like, you know, retail's really suffered and um, people aren't using office spaces as much. Right. So does that like, because previously all we were looking at was like warehouse space, which is now actually being used largely for distribution centers or um like you know fulfillment centers yeah. and stuff so the price of warehouse space is actually going up and up and up yeah amazon um, by everything yeah exactly <laughs> um and like supermarkets that are just doing um like online ordering and all that kind of stuff whereas office space like will that potentially be where gyms have to go in future right because previously right. we couldn't because that was the premium that's what everyone was paying more yes, for yes and now it's like actually we don't need this that's interesting space, so yeah is yeah. it going to be like something? Well, like and, and, yeah, as more and more companies realize, well, actually, we can work from home now. We can work remotely. We don't need to pay for office space. So yeah. maybe that will lower the cost of retail space, hopefully. Yeah. 
because something has to happen because I honestly I don't know who can afford these fucking prices yeah it's and we were, out of control we were saying like both of us how lucky we were because we opened in area we opened in a site where we had one unit and then we could take next door to grow like there and then yes you know you guys yes. went up and we went yeah. out whereas and that's how a gym should grow like if you're a startup and you're small it's like start small get it right and then grow the issue is most of the time when it comes to that growth point now is like it also means moving yeah it's moving. Like, oh, we have to go and then yeah. that affects your current member base and yeah um yeah. especially in LA with like traffic and stuff i imagine like two miles one way if it somehow incorporates this one section of road yeah. it's going to affect someone's journey right like disproportionately 100%. so yeah. um that's going to be a problem people have to face like and how you get around that like who knows yeah well, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with the gymnasium. Congratulations on Thanks. everything you've done so far. Congrats on like, Ferris as well. The yeah, new, thank you, new space looking awesome. So It's been, uh, you know, we've known each other for at least 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and it's been great to see how you've grown, how you've applied yourself, how you've like survived and thrived and all that good stuff. And uh, I look forward to seeing what, what, what continues to grow and what continues to happen. So. Thanks. Good job, man. man. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, that was Jack Hennigan again. Uh, gymnasium. What's the best place to find out about, about Gymnasium? Go to our uh, website, gymnasium.fit. Gymnasium.fit. Uh, it's got links to everything on there, our socials, our classes, and all that sort of stuff. Locations. Great. And it's in Clapham and in Wandsworth. So if you live in those areas, check it out. If you're visiting the UK, yeah, for check sure. It out. If you're visiting over the next year, because you can travel and stuff now, yeah. um, reach out to us via that and then get you in for sure. Yeah, and what's your Instagram? At gymnasium. Uh, gymnasium.fit. So it's Gymnasium Wandsworth and Gymnasium Clapham. <laughs> okay. Bow. Uh, okay, guys, that's it for today. Um, tune in uh, soon. Uh, great to be back with you guys. Uh, we are at 1316 Glendale Boulevard, Ferris Athletic Club. Uh, come see us soon. Until then, take care. Cheers. Bye, guys.